and welcome to episode 86 of our SAP on Azure video podcast. Today is March 31st, and together with Robert and Goran, we're here to talk about anything related to SAP and Microsoft. Hello, everyone. Hi. So in the past, we have already talked about the SAP deployment automation framework on Azure. We showed the concepts um, to some extent. We showed you how to leverage it from Azure DevOps. And today we have Jennifer and Pankaj joining us to talk about yeah, an end-to-end -end, or to show us actually an end-to-end -end demo um, that um, Jennifer has recorded. But as always, before we hand over to them, let's quickly take a look at some of the news from this week. And I actually want to start with something that is now already a week old, but um, last time when we recorded the session, this, um, this report was not yet published. And I think it is a very, very important or very interesting um, report from the DSAC, the German-speaking SAP user group. So obviously there's also a German version available, but um, luckily there's also an English one available. And in this, um, in this report, they um, yeah, talk about the results of, the, of a survey that they um, did with um, the, the DSAC audience. So they ask about the, the budget situation, um, what um, ERP solutions are being used by the customers. So you can see the majority of, um, of customers are still using an ERP system, but there are there is definitely an increase with S4HANA, S4HANA on-premise, S4HANA um, private cloud edition, also S4HANA public cloud edition. So there, there's, um, yeah, especially in the, in the S4HANA world, there's some, um, movement there. And then what is also interesting is they um, look at uh, the usage of RICE or, or the familiar, familiarity of RICE, like how familiar are customers with the term RICE with SAP. And um, there's definitely way to go. I mean, a lot of customers have heard about this, but um, a lot of customers are also not 100% sure what it is. And actually, if you look at then the statistics on um, are customers going to go to rise? Um, most of the customers are actually not so convinced yet. So these the, the customers are um, yeah neutral or um, probably not. And some of them um, say that they are likely. So four percent um, say somewhat likely to go to rise with SAP. Some of them have already, but there's definitely a lot of um, room of improvements. I would say for for SAP to push in this direction and to really um, talk about the benefits um, of uh, customers running um, their SAP system with RISE on SAP. And then some, some other information on success factors, the usage of success factors and other um, solutions. But I think, uh, yeah, if you have not read this, this report, it's definitely um, worth um, checking out. Now, speaking of RISE, um, we actually Ah, sorry, no, uh, that was another thing. I don't know, uh, here, sorry, yeah. So speaking of RISE, um, we we do actually get um, a few customers that are really actively asking us, well, what about RISE with SAP? How does this work um, with Azure? How can I benefit from, the, um, from leveraging Azure as the foundation for my RISE with SAP environment? And actually our fast track team, they are offering um, a session where we, we talk about how customers can use uh, RISE with SAP when you still have Azure, for example, in place. Maybe you have an Azure subscription already um, where you, where other workload is running. Maybe you, you are running some 
dedicated SAP workload also on your own um, Azure subscription. And in this uh, fast track uh, live session, Azure live session, um, the, the, the colleagues Al and Vinod will, will talk about how you can actually connect your Azure subscription, your so private Azure subscription with um, the RISE with um, SAP with RISE um, Azure environment. So what peering options are available? How you can you connect the, the scenario? Or another thing that we very often hear, how can you actually uh, connect your SAP system running with RISE to Microsoft 365 to, to send emails? So, so there are a lot of things that the uh, fast track colleagues will, will cover there. And I think if you are interested in RISE, if you uh, want to benefit from uh, the scenarios that um, Azure provides, this is definitely a very interesting uh, webinar to join. The next thing, Goran, you just um, shared about um, ClusterFS. Yeah, so uh, there is written a sentence uh, below in overview uh, page. Be aware that Red Hat is phasing out Red Hat cluster storage. So what's ClusterFS? It's an um, in, um, it's a Red Hat uh, file share high availability infrastructure option which we, in the beginning, when we didn't have an uh, Azure NetApp or Azure Fire, we, it was used a lot. Um, typically, you would place their yeah. sub MNT, you know, central services, ERS files, subtrans, and those kind of stuff. Um, now, the Red Hat itself is kind of uh, coming to end of the support by the end of 2023. So we are saying we are also still supporting. Of course, it's a good a reminder for the customer to move to something else always is a good idea to go to the cloud services like Azure FireShare, Zona Redundant, or maybe Azure NetApp, which is in the regional available. So maybe just a, just a good good tip. Um, and another one, of course, high availability again. Uh, SQL Server. Uh, if you would scroll a bit, I believe down in the notes section, the 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 red the second part exactly. So uh, uh, in SQL Server 2090 uh, CU8, there is a possibility to use something which is called direct network name. This means that typically in high availability setup, you would use internal load balancer for the virtual IP. So with this feature, you don't need an internal load balancer either in an HA or HA and DR perspective. So meaning it's much more simple and failover is much more, it's faster, it's faster because there are no those pro ports. So, I mean, it's it, when those customer on SQL Server, they have 2019 or would love to go it. I mean, definitely it would simplify the whole infrastructure uh, set up in improve the uh, I mean overall availability. Yeah, well, so nice stuff. nice stuff. So now we come to another nice stuff. Um, Robert Finally and something nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so so let's let's uh, hear it from you, Robert. Yeah, OK. I mean, uh, what what Martin Pankratz and I uh, have planned and finally, we um, finalized the, the several sessions, several episodes. Uh, so the idea behind the uh, Hitchhiker Guide to Microsoft Teams and SAP integration is to actually rely on our already provided blocks, what we already have on SAP community or what we have on Microsoft documentation, and go through those steps yeah, and show uh, actually how to do it. 
And we actually, the, the idea behind is that we are not preparing ourselves at all. We are just going to blogs and we prepare some materials just to uh, sh share with, with, uh, with audience, uh, but we are really not testing anything. So during the, the, the videos, you will see that we make mistakes, that we are hitting the break and then continuing. I think we just try to have a fun together with all, all of you. Uh, today uh, we uh, we published I think three videos because unfortunately we discovered that I do the wrong uh, video cutting so I will work on them and to till tomorrow we'll provide all of them so on the end we will have I think six or five videos which will actually show you how to do integration or trust between Azure Active Directory and Business Technology Platform, Azure Active Directory and standalone systems. We will play with uh, um, Azure API management and then use this Azure API management to create the boot bot and then we will create the adaptive cards on the end. So we will really guide you through all those processes. So and rely on already existing blocks, what we already provided, as I mentioned on SAP community side or, or Microsoft documentation. I think it's fun way to, to show you how to do something and give you some some internal hints how to maybe configure something much faster or, or how to avoid some mistakes and so on. I, I think it's a nice way of doing that. Huh? No, absolutely. And I, li I like yeah. especially the, the, that you really take an existing blog post and walk through it. And like any other customers, you, you do make mistakes sometimes and then yep. it's good to yep. to see the troubleshooting. And I think one yeah. last thing to, to make this fun, don't forget your towel. Uh, as, a, as a true hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy, you, yeah. you need to bring your towel. So that was also a really nice uh, and, touch and, that, and you, that you showed there. What I must say, I mean, all credits go to Martin because I was just a guy who asking stupid questions. You know, we somehow uh, have a, some uh, role that I'm a guy who have no clue what Martin is doing. So asking a little bit stupid questions and sometimes really stupid questions because I don't know everything. Oh, my God. But I think we just uh, have a fun, and I think I hope they will uh, that uh, you will like it. Yeah, yeah perfect. I mean, Robert the Holger will be proud of you. I know, I know. I, I just did that for him, you know, because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Robert. No, they're they're really great videos. So obviously, I, yeah. I already watched some of them, not all of them yet. But um, that, that I, I really like the the way how you walk through them, how you ask questions, how you interact, because I as a customer potentially have the very same questions and then it's always good um, to, to, to really also hear the details of the setup. Okay. Cool, thank you. Yep, um, the next thing is um, we, we talked about the Microsoft Data Center tour um, a, a few times. So, so the next one is on, on April 5th. Um, now there's a slightly different um, uh, presenter role. So Johannes Woltermann, um, is now presenting, or I think he actually already presented um, last time. But um, Johannes and Dara, they, they are they are continuing. I mean, on top of the um, the data center colleagues, obviously, and they they are again focusing on, uh, yeah, what does this mean for an SAP workload? Um, how can SAP workload run on on Azure? Why would you do this? So if you have not attended one of these virtual data center tours, uh, it's definitely worth um, to check it out. Um, so the next thing is something pretty cool from my point of view. Um, we are recording this end of March, but actually tomorrow, um, April 1st, SAP will have its 50th anniversary. And I already found one link here um, on the SAP page that, that talks about this. And there's a really cool video, like 13 minutes or so, that, that looks mm -hmm. back at the history of SAP. You see some really nice um, pictures and small videos from the past. If you If you want to see how 
uh, the 80s looked like or something like that. There, there are some some nice things, and it's I mean, <clears throat> SAP it's, it's really fantastic to see um, the the story of of SAP here, how they started, how they released R2, then the story to R3, and now S4 HANA. It's a it's a really nice video, and I'm I'm really happy. I mean, um, Goran Robert, we all worked at SAP obviously as well, so I think yeah. it's, it's really great to see how SAP is evolving there, and I'm I'm happy to to celebrate 50 years of SAP with them. Yeah. I Absolutely. mean, you know, half of century for IT, but this that doesn't reflect on our ages. I think it's you know it's it's <laughs> you're still young. Yeah. Yes. Of course. Yes. <laughs> Okay, good. Then one last thing that I found, uh, Microsoft Build. Um, there's a, um, a date for Microsoft Build, May 24th till May 26th. Um, my understanding is it is, again, a virtual event. Um, apparently, there are local events. I'm not sure if, I, I guess this is also not um, on site. I don't know yet, but uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to Build. I, I know there will be some cool announcements. So I think uh, it's definitely worth to sign up. Uh, registration is not yet open. Apparently, this will open in, in April. I think I saw that somewhere. But uh, yeah, mark your calendars. Here, uh, here late in April, you will be able to register. Mm -hmm. So mark your calendars and, and uh, make sure to join Build again. Good. With this, um, that's all the news from this week. And with this, let's um, hand, hand it over to Jennifer and Pankaj. Maybe um, both of you can quickly introduce yourself, what you're doing at Microsoft, and then I'm really looking forward to the the end-to-end -end demo of the um, automation deployment. Sure. So my name is Jennifer Hyduke. I am a global CSA at Microsoft. I work with customer architecture and engineering, and I work a lot with the with the SAP program. I sort of hit the button on SAP, and I got been sucked in ever since. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, and I am happy to to be able to bring some of these videos to you, um, which is the culmination of work of an entire team of engineers. So happy to be working with them and happy to be here. Great, thank you. Nice. Welcome. Great. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, Pankaj Meshram. I am part of uh, Worldwide Customer Success Unit. Uh, where uh, I'm responsible for leading the SAP on Azure technical strategy. Uh, I also work with our automation uh, V team where we have uh, developed this product uh, and also looking to to, uh, to looking at the program enterprise skill for SAP from program management perspective. Awesome. So uh, a couple things before we jump into the demo, if if that's okay. Um, first of all, it's kind of mind blowing. Uh, 50 years of SAP and considering how integral it is in so many organizations, um, but also kind of to talk about a little bit about, you know, <clears throat> an organization may look at this automation, look at this orchestration aside, you know, is this for me? And it's important to understand that, you know, automation comes after a, a lot of design decisions. Um, so after we take a look at our cloud adoption framework principles and then looking at SAP from an enterprise scale perspective as well. This is really the culmination of, of all, all that hard work and all of those design decisions going into one. 
but the repository does have a sample workspaces folder for you to play with um, and for you to kind of get get more familiar with. Um, our repository is, of course, you know, open source and you are able as an organization to customize it to your needs. And so I guess it's OK if we could jump into the video uh, at this sure. point. <laughs> Um, so the first part of the video is super important. We want to make sure that people go to our docs page and read our documentation. Um, you can see the, the breadcrumbs there, but just to iterate through it, you know, under Azure Virtual Machines uh, Workloads SAP, you'll find our published documentation where you can find the automation framework. You can learn more about how we set up our automation. So just quickly to go over, it's really two, it's, it's more than two parts, but there, there's two main parts that we're deploying. We're deploying a control plane, which is gonna have our deployer resources. It's gonna have our library resources, which hold our Terraform state files. And it's also going to hold our bill of materials, our SAP uh, image that we want. In this case, we're working in the demo, we're working with SAP HANA, um, but understand there's also other backends that you can look at to, to deploy with our automation. And so with the control plane resource, we're really focusing in on our deployer VM after we get the control plane deployed, uh, because from the deployer VM, we're going to deploy the rest of our infrastructure. We're going to deploy what we like to call the workload zone, which holds our virtual machines as uh, well as our, our networking resources. And just to take a step back right there, a lot of organizations already have their networking in place. They already have a lot of their infrastructure in place. And so what we didn't want to do was say, here's our automation in a box and you can't integrate it with anything and you got to deploy everything from here. And what's great about the automation is that you can integrate those parts. You can integrate your NSGs, for example, um, instead of using a deployer VM from our automation repository, you know, you may have your own golden images. You may have VMs that, that you've hardened. And so we have helper scripts in the repository to, for example, turn a Linux VM into a deployer machine to um, update the SAS token for your storage account. So we have these piecemeal scripts, these helper scripts to help you kind of do some of the, um, the actions that you may have to do to integrate into your organization already. And so the video sort of starts off, we, we, we wanna make sure we clone our repo, we wanna make sure we have a copy of it. And then from there, really, we, we decided to make this e video easy to understand. So we're just going on the cloud shell. Um, there are also PowerShell commandlets in the repository. And um, uh, of course, we're working on some future stuff we'll talk about in a little bit, but we're cloning our repository essentially to, to our cloud shell session. Jennifer, um, are you sharing already something? Because the, the, the sharing is not there. Oh, my. But I think, okay. I mean, we, we could still follow so far. I think that that's very, and and actually one thing that I wanted to to add what, or highlight what, what I really like about this whole setup, that as you said, it's not a black box or something like that. So right. I, I am really 
flexible on, on what I can do. And, and the other thing that you mentioned, this is all open source. So in the worst case, what I can do, I can really go into the GitHub repository and I can do my changes. If, 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 if I could clone it, I could make some modifications so that it's really um, very fit to my needs. If I cannot even do this um, without mod modification, but I, I can personally have full control of um, what's what's actually happening. Yes, absolutely. And and that's really one of the key points uh, of the automation is, is that we know that most customers, the majority of customers are going to have those things set up. Yes. So we want to make sure it integrates nicely um, in, into into their organization. Um, also, as I've I mentioned the repository a couple of times uh, just for anyone who may have visited the older repository, Azure SAP HANA, make sure you go to the new repository, Azure SAP Automation, and that's going to have really everything you need. We moved it over because it's not only about HANA. You know, some organizations are, are not quite ready to, uh, to upgrade to that yet. And I will go ahead and uh, share my screen for a bit there if I can. Yeah, perfect. It's coming up. Yes. All right. Just quick, quick points sure. I want to mention around uh, this product. Yes. Uh, in, in one of the previous videos, we talked about enterprise scale for SAP and how it provides the best practices, recommendations, and all that thing is embedded into this product, right? So this is effectively the tool which you have, which you can take to your customers, partners, have that discussion on all the critical design areas, and then come and then design the automation based on your discussion. What does the target architecture looks like, right? So this gives you that sort of flexibility where you can go define uh, whether you need accelerated VMs, PPGs, all this sort of best practice recommendations, and then think about final deployment based on your repository, you can clone the repo, you can you can manage the repo, you can uh, conduct various sort of operations, changes on the repo, and gives you great amount of flexibility from that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And we wanted to make sure that choice was up to the customer um, so that they can decide what they need because they they know better than we do what they need and don't need. So um, it's it's really great what the engineering team has, has allowed the, or the customer to do. Uh, really take it and make it your own. Uh, the so I, I believe I do cat out one of the Terraform files in the video, but just to kind of show you, just kind of right here how you can kind of integrate your subnets. Uh, you can do to integrate your firewall subnets, integrate different types of subnets. You can also specify your deployer VM information. Um, as it's, I love that the Terraform parameter files are, are well uh, well commented and well documented because you it could be easily get lost if we didn't do that. So they're, they're well commented and well documented. Um, and you can specify many different, uh, uh, many different options as well, including uh, deploying a firewall using private endpoints as well. I have to admit, looking at the Terraform file, when, you, when you're not very familiar with it, yes, it's, it's great that there are a lot of comments and, and a lot of documentations in there, but I still find, um, since I'm not using it on a daily basis, it is yeah. sometimes a little complicated. It can be, it can be, and they really want to make it as simple as possible. You know, enter your enter your name here, true, yeah. false here. Really, just keep it basic because you know there's a learning curve to some of this um, 
technologies that we do use. So the automation does use Terraform in conjunction with Ansible. And I like to call Ansible the magic behind the scenes, uh, but really that's the orchestration piece. That's the orchestration that's going to allow you to install and configure your application. And so that's, that's a lot of what people are interested in. Maybe they already have the infrastructure. They already have their infrastructure as code as well. Um, they have their processes, um, but the, the Ansible piece where they can go in and kind of automate and customize, you know, what they need, you know, everything from kernel parameters and, and other uh, configuration points as well. They can they can go in there and uh, look at what they need and customize it for them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I I, I get uh, sometimes I, you know, you may get some pushback on Terraform and maybe they don't have the expertise or Ansible. Maybe they don't have the expertise. Um, we're working on automating that even further to make it just even more, you know, point and click so that you just customize and then you um, uh, deploy. So we're always working on making that, you know, more resilient. The engineering team is always working on making that experience better. And of course, it's open source um, and we we do have uh, a DL in the repository to reach out to. So if you do have suggestions, please don't hesitate to, to email the engineering team. They, they would love to hear from different organizations and how it could be better. Um, when I switch back to the video here, it's been playing in the background while I while I've been talking. But essentially, we I've made it in the video as simple as possible. We're deploying those different Terraform files, and we are on the deployer VM doing that. Um, and so I show you how to go through that um, in the video. And then the as different. Uh, resources are deploying. We are getting the output um, that we can we can make sure and verify that we're deploying the right thing. Everything you know from our host uh, and disk data, everything down to uh, the names we're using. And if you can see in the corner, if this bar disappears, you can see our SID as well. So we're getting a lot of verbose information as we're deploying. Um, so that we can uh, verify that if we're deploying from different tools, you know, we might be able to capture that information um, as well. <clears throat> and so kind of in the in the end, we're, we've deployed, you know, our four resource groups. Um, on the left-hand side there, we have our deployer, our DEP00 um, infrastructure, and that's going to be where our deployer and our storage accounts are held um, on our library where our, uh, I'm sorry, those are where our libraries where storage accounts are held, um, and then our deployers where our deployer VM, as well as if you want to deploy Azure Firewall or something like that, you want to deploy DNS zone, um, that's where that would live. Um, our infrastructure um, would in, comprise, be comprised of our networking resources um, and any NSGs, UDRs, or anything we specify. And then, of course, our system, which is our, our virtual machines, which is going to, of course, hold our application. Um, and when we go into um, the the uh, system resource group where our VMs are held, um, we're going to find, you know, if we specify proc, uh, you know, anything like PPGs, proximity placement groups, um, and if we specified anything to that, that's where we would find that uh, any infrastructure that's related to our VM deployment. Uh, load balancers and things like that. Um, 
and it, it's a 30 minute video, so I won't go, I won't go, uh, you know, you know, bit by bit. Um, but what's interesting is our configuration files allow us to configure, you know, our, our disk. Um, as you can see, we're looking at a parameter file here, Terraform parameter file. We're specifying our load balancer IP and, and things like that. And again, we try to make this as simple, as straightforward as possible. Just fill in the variable um, and, and uh, the, uh, the, the orchestration will take care of the rest. Um, and so we go through and we start deploying our Ansible playbooks, which is actually um, you know, the orchestration behind the scenes, which installs the application. And so we can see up top here, we have different options. Um, so we, we, we numbered them, we found the best order in order to deploy these features. Um, and then we put them, you know, in, in our Ansible playbooks. And so the menu is pretty easy, you know, to read from our base OS config, you know, down to figuring, configuring those parameters, which are necessary for the virtual machines hosting SAP, you know, our HANA DB installs when we install the database, um, our central services and DB load. Um, and I think there's a little icon here, um, but uh, if we have, uh, you know, our primary application servers and, and things like that, um, we we try to make it as inclusive as possible, even down to really our pacemaker setup as well. Um, we can can, you know, configure pacemaker and things like that if that's, you know, part of our part of our architecture for SAP. And so. This is this is kind of stepping away a little bit from the Terraform piece and really looking at that Ansible piece um, and seeing um, how powerful it is and what it can do. Um, we we uh, kind of go through those steps in the video and you and you can see how it is easy it is you really just you're typing in your options and then you um, of course get your verbose output so that you can troubleshoot if need be you can see if something did go wrong um, you can see where that happened um, and also specify you know the role where that happened the playbook where that happened so you can kind of pinpoint that. Um, and so we really just we go through this process where we, we have deployed our infrastructure and we, we're deploying our application with Ansible and it's it's really, really easy. Like myself knowing very little about SAP several months ago and then coming to this level where I'm deploying an entire SAP architecture is pretty amazing. Like I am as a, you know, as a former engineer for several years, I'm pretty amazed at what they've been able to accomplish and how easy it's been able to be. And I've learned so much about SAP just from using the automation without any other materials. So, you know, my hat's off to, you know, our V team and our engineering team for making this super, super easy and simple to understand. But actually, I think you, you bring up a super, super important point that, um, a lot of people that have been using SAP for a longer time um, really can value right now. I mean, if you're, if you're new to SAP and you come in now to, to Azure and you see, okay, I can deploy an SAP system in a few clicks and then everything is, is, is great. But if you have done this like five years ago or 10 years ago, I, I still remember when I installed my first SAP system, that was a long, long process. So there was a lot of evaluations, a lot of reading documentations, a lot of troubleshooting, making sure that the right parameter files are there, that the kernel parameters on my SAP system or my um, my my hardware are, are set correctly on the 
um, SUSE or, or Red Hat Linux um, version and so on. So there was a lot of effort involved to finally get the SAP system running. And now, and, and I think that that's really the beauty of your video. And also maybe looking back at the video that um, Robert and Martin are doing, you're, you're really doing this from scratch. So in the video, you're you're taking basically the, the audience, the customer, on, on the journey to start from a blank sheet of paper and, and you're even using the, the Azure Cloud Shell. So I, I don't need to install something on my PC and then you guide them through having nothing to having an SAP system installed. And I think that's that's really beautiful. You can really follow along and um, yeah, install your own SAP system. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I, you know, you know, year back, I had to start from nothing. <laughs> you know, I may not have understood everything that I that I understand now. And um, so I, I kind of want to segue into um, the second video, which will be forthcoming. Um, we're building um, this automation in Azure DevOps. And so that's going to be that's going to be amazing once you know um once we get that video out for people so that they can see um and understand again starting from scratch how you can deploy the entire sap system um and uh, uh and install it as well mm -hmm. so yeah that's going to be great i wish i'd had it ready for this session <laughs> that's but okay forthcoming as soon as possible I mean, we will definitely reference obviously this video so that everyone watching the, the podcast now that they can easily jump to the first video. And once the second video is available, we'll just update um, everything and then um, the, the, the listeners and the audience can also um, just click on the on the second link. Yeah, but ju just maybe another thing that I want to highlight and you, you briefly touched on this, um, the deployment that we are doing is not only a standalone system, but I think Goran will be very happy. Uh, obviously, we are really deploying. We can deploy high availability systems where you all the pacemaker configuration is done, and and you really have a system that can be used in production. So it's not a demo test environment. It's it's really something that is um, usable in a production environment. Yeah, we absolutely want you to play with the samples first to get more familiar. But as you can see, it's going to be, you know, this this video is only 30 minutes long. It's not a whole, you know, this whole complex thing um, that'd be if you were doing these pieces manually. So, um, yeah, definitely play, you know, a little bit with our samples work workspaces. But then also you'll be creating your own workspaces folder where your files and configurations are customized to your organization. And then that's what you'll really uh, be deploying into your environment. Um, and then the the DevOps piece, of course, I, I love that we're integrating. We're, we're eating our own dog food. <laughs> I love that we're integrating. You know, we talk a lot in enterprise scale. And as well as cloud adoption framework, automate, automate, automate. And now the, you know, we want to make sure that we follow our own our, our own path that we're telling customers to do. Um, and so I met a lot of customers that are super excited about using Azure DevOps. And the fact that we can bring this, bring this to them is, is going to be huge. It's going to be very huge. SAP is the corner of so many organizations, um, the cornerstone of so many organizations uh, software. So we're going to be able to bring that to them in a more even more automated fashion. I mean, honestly, I'm I'm looking forward to your video because even if I'm kind of SAP specialist, I still have that hurdle of Ansible to jump over, you know, <laughs> and so I start and stop. You no, know, it's just about those 
the the yeah the preparation part. So um, I, I'm really looking forward to really. I, I think this is what is missing because typically, if you would have some kind of user interface, it would be much easier. Uh, oh, when you have a little bit some kind of command line, okay, the first step it's uh, you need to put some effort. When you do a demo, that's really great. That's that's really a great help for the community to go step by step. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this the first video is going to be sort of a prerequisite prerequisite to the second video. Um, and I may touch a little bit more on the Ansible piece, um, which I, I kind of didn't do in this video. I wanted to, you know, make it more seamless. Um, so and we have heard that from customers, you know, we don't have Ansible experience. Well, that's that's not the biggest hurdle that you think it is. Um, and so maybe I'll, I'll touch a little bit uh, on the Ansible piece um, as far as the orchestration is concerned. So um, maybe that's something we'll we'll touch on a little bit more in the second video. Right. Um, I haven't went through the whole video, but do you have a part about how to download those bill of materials, the DVDs as a kind yeah. of? All right, great. We Excellent. do. So that's going to be, you know, we download straight from SAP into your storage account. Um, and there is a um, a playbook for that, uh, an Ansible playbook that we uh, use for that. Um, it does take a, a couple of hours. Um, it, we're, you know, we're downloading bits of the Internet, so it does take a couple of hours to complete, but um, that we do accomplish that through through uh, an Ansible playbook. <clears throat> Just to highlight, obviously, the customer needs to provide their own S user. user so we yeah. are not Microsoft. We are downloading the software. I mean, we are facilitating the download, basically. But the customer needs to provide their yeah. own S user ID. Yeah. No, absolutely. We can't give you that. <laughs> you got to have your own. Anybody, any organization that uses SAP is going to have that account. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, yeah exactly what you said. You're going to need to be able to provide that the credentials for that account in order to download the software. One quick thing about the downloading of software, because you use a very good point, Goran. Um, um, you know, in every SAP customer, they will have different SAP components. They can have S4HANA, they can have Newbird, they can have some other products. The good thing about bomb processing is you can prepare your own bomb. So that if you look at the documentation, it gives you the steps, in, uh, instructions step by step in terms of how you can prepare a bomb, mention the bomb name, and just use the bomb download processor to download that specific bomb. So that, that additional flexibility is there where customers can learn quickly, prepare their bomb, and then download using the Ansible piece. Yeah, yeah. and that's really great stuff to have prepared bomb, because if you have to look by yourself, which DVDs, CDs, kernel, export, this, that, I mean, it's a lot. It's really, I have 20 years in SAP and still, Having challenges. <laughs> so yeah. it is a great uh, big help. I mean, even that, even that, just the raw material and download it to have ready. You know what you everything need. It's a huge. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, and as we are learning more and more from customers. We are trying to expand that repository of bombs so the customers don't have to go and prepare themselves. They can all look at our repository. They can always find if, if the bomb version, bombs is available. And if not, then can can go and do something about it. But it's over the time we're gonna have almost most of the products available there. Just just for a quick explanation. So this bomb that we're talking about, um, there is for example a bomb for an S4 HANA, a fully activated um, SP, whatever. And, and that is available on, on GitHub. 
if you take this bomb, then the deployment framework can read all the, the information of what are the files that are required to fulfill this S4HANA system, and that's how we can deploy it. So it's a huge, I agree with Goran, I think this is a huge, this alone is already a huge value add for, for customers. And understanding the the structure and sub marketplace and naming convention is a state of the art always. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because we do, we do have documentation which you know mm -hmm. our naming convention that we chose for our automation it obviously conforms to Azure standards you know to the best practices that we see, um, but we also allow you to change that right because mm -hmm. customers you know we we do talk to them about having a naming convention of their own. And so mm -hmm. if they want to change that, there's documentation for that as well so that uh, you can refer to. Great. Cool. Great. No, I think, Jennifer, I think that was a really, uh, really fantastic um, overview of the uh, video that you have created. And I'm sure this will help a lot of customers. And I think all of us, we are looking forward to seeing your second video, just to put a little pressure on you uh, for the... <laughs> With the with the DevOps um, enablement, because I agree with Goran, if you if we have then a, a user interface that simplifies the whole steps even even further. So I I can't wait um, to see this. Yes, absolutely. I can't wait to get it out to you guys. Cool, perfect. Well then, thank you so much for joining us, Jennifer Pankaj. It was a pleasure having you, and uh, you. yeah, I'm looking forward to the second video. Awesome. Sure. Thanks for having me. Great. Thank you, everyone. Thank Bye you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.